Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey High today, all about USC football. Got a bunch of questions to get to. We want to talk about uh, any topic that you have for USC football. Please drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 206-888-6755, or you can go right to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail for us there we love to hear from you coach harvey hyde is our guest for the monday show a little bit later in the day sorry we couldn't record this morning hope you guys enjoy it you can follow him on twitter at coach harvey hyde what's up coach how you doing ryan i'm doing pretty good buddy a nice father's day uh yesterday and i want to wish all you uh fathers out there a happy father's day i know we're a little bit late but at least we remember you and i want to mention that it was great being with the family and just enjoying it. And again, I was watching all the bowl games that they were playing and repeat the 3030s on television. I, uh, they're doing a lot of reruns, getting everybody ready to go for this coming football season. I really enjoyed it. So had a wonderful day. I hope everybody else had a wonderful day out there. And, uh, here we go again, uh, another Monday. Yeah. And happy Father's Day to you and, uh, all the other fathers out there. And want to thank our sponsor for the Monday edition of the podcast, SC Tickets Incorporated, SCTickets.com is the website. You can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Give them a call if you need tickets for anything, USC home games, of course, or any other sporting event anywhere, concerts, the theater, they can hook you up there. And uh, Coach, before we jump into some of these questions, I wanted—I know you attended a USC golf event over the weekend. Maybe give us a little update of what you saw. You know, uh, Ryan, I did, and uh, uh, I was, I want to thank Mark uh, Spino, who, uh, invited me uh, to uh, come over to the USC Alumni Football Golf Tournament and Banquet held in Pasadena at the Brookside Country Club. It was great going over there and uh, seeing all the past players and coaches, Skip Husband, Pat Morris, Dave Levy, uh, just to mention a few, and some of the past great players that played at USC. Uh, uh, it just It's just Rod Martin, all the guys, they're just great to talk and laugh and have fun and tell jokes and have a great program. Vince Evans was one of the speakers. Pat Morris was the speaker. Uh, it, it was just a great, great activity, you know, uh, to be invited to something like that when you didn't go to USC or play football. Obviously, I'd have to go to USC to play football there, but to be invited to go to that and uh, be a part of that and see the rich tradition and what these guys really think of USC football and what it means to them and the brotherhood and the experiences uh, of, of moments they'll never forget. And you can see where the foundation of the USC tradition comes. And when you talk about the family of USC, you can certainly see it when you're there among these guys. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a great time. And uh, we'll have to check. So that was up in Pasadena. That was at Brookside? Right. Brookside Country Club. Oh, nice. Huh? Okay. It's always uh, – there have some fun events up there, so – all right, cool. I wanted to get an update on that from you, Coach. And uh, like I said, you can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. 
Uh, we love to hear from you. So we're going to get to some of your questions. You can also tweet us anytime if you have a question about that. And I know Coach loves to to get on the Twitter. How's your Twitter game been lately, Coach? Anything good? It's been uh, sort of average. What I mean, I just don't tweet to tweet. I mean, I got to have something to get out to everybody. And as we, I started reading the publications, the first publications this weekend too. And uh, I'm not ready to uh, talk about that yet, but the, uh, for the remainder of the summer, I'm going to read all the football magazines. So I sort of get everybody else's opinions on what they think about the Pac-12 and the national scene and all of that. So uh, everything's good. Everything's good. All right. Well, let's jump into some of these questions then. Uh, Andrew wants to know, who is the true freshman you think is going to end up being a household name? True freshman. Yeah, lots of lots of what? guys to choose from, you know. But there's a lot of really talented guys coming in this class, so I think there's a there's a lot of different answers for this. Well, I tell you one that's uh, uh, well, there's a couple that you you hope really come through, like Port Augustine and also Masuna Masina, yeah, Masita, yes, because they certainly need a, uh, some depth in the outside linebacker position, defensive lineman uh, Noah Jefferson certainly is impressive when you. Well, you see his size and quickness. He's just a great athlete. Daniels, a defensive lineman. You're going to hear me talk about Scott. You're going to hear me talk about defensive lineman because I think that's an area uh, that uh, uh, has uh, room for athletic improvement. I see they put Jordan uh, Simmons over there, and you'll probably notice that too, Ryan, and he's playing a little uh, defensive nose and tackle and big guy. I, I just hope that, you know, he's had a bad knee, and when you play on defense, you got to be careful and protect those knees. I just hope it it holds up. But he certainly is a very physical type of kid, and and uh, he looks like a southeastern conference conference southeastern conference defensive lineman. So he'll play himself in the shape. So uh, I would I would say those. I, I think uh, Marshall's going to be a great player. But Seymour had a great spring. Uh, I think uh, Ross is going to be a great addition to the offense. I think. You've got to depend on the running backs, too. And uh, Cedric Ware has certainly impressed me as far as the videos I've seen on him. Jones on the film, I saw him on him in high school. is going to be a good one. So I think the running backs, you need a little bit of help there. And Petrie, the tight end, uh, Petrie, uh, I think you're going to have to have him come through. But he's not ready to be a physical blocker uh, in, in individual in college football. I think... Connor Spears is going to be the answer there as far as being the guy that can maybe do it both, be a receiver and block. So uh, McNamara we haven't seen out there yet. So, uh, you know, uh, really you have a seasoned group of players coming back. So uh, as far as impact players, freshman players coming in, I would have to say one of those defensive linemen have to come through big time. Yeah, so I think and uh, to follow up on that, I think Tyler Petit for on the offensive side, probably the only one just because the, the situation of tight end is kind of dire as far as scholarship guys go. But Connor Spears, I think has been great. He'll probably end up being the, the guy there. And you know, we'll, we'll see with Iman Marshall, uh, how talented he is, if he can come in and, and make a big part of that. But Osama Messina is just a guy I like a lot, but seeing Port Augustine in person. I'm six three coach and sometimes guys that are listed at six four, six five and they're really my height. So you know they're not, and he is. He's he looks all of six five, um, big 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 dude. So it's uh, there, there's some impact guys I think potentially on the defensive side of the ball. Just not sure where they're going to fit in. Are they going to be part of rotation? How much are they going to play? Uh, 
I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, Andrew also had a follow-up. He wants to say, do you think uh, we'll ever see Lamar Dawson living up to the expectations this season? Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, he certainly had a great spring, and he played well as a freshman until he got hurt there last year. Uh, I think he, if he's got his head screwed on right, he can be a football player. I think he's number one right now in the, in the, uh, in the depth chart. He flew around this spring, and if he continues to improve as much as he improved during the off season from the fall to the spring attitude-wise and ability-wise, I think he'd be a good player. I really do think he should be a good player. He certainly has the advantage over uh, Houston and a lot of these other freshman linebackers that are coming in, but he's been there for three years, and he's had spring practice, and he knows the system. So if he doesn't, it's his fault. So uh, I, I, I would put it on him like that if I was coaching him. I'd say, hey, it's your time, buddy. I'd say if you allow one of these freshmen or one of these guys to come in and beat you out, don't look at me. Look at yourself in the mirror. But it's time that you pay your bills right now. And uh, I think if you let him know you have confidence in him too at the same time, you'll get a total football player because I think he has the ability to be one. I think it's an interesting question, Coach, just because I don't think the expectations on him are very high. They Everyone wrote him off last year. Coming back from the injury just didn't wasn't doing anything and just seemed to be in the doghouse more than anything and then kind of rejuvenated his whole career. So if anything, I don't think they expect much out of him or, or most fans don't. And he's going to come in and, and play like a – be like a redshirt senior kind of guy that just is, is coming back. And uh, I, I think he's going to do big things for USC. They need help in the – you know, inside with – Hayes Pillard gone, but he's kind of like free, you know, found money or something like a free lunch because you just didn't expect much out of him. And now he's back and it uh, looks like he can do some big things. I agree with you. I think, I think he's got a new attitude too. You know, he had Bobby hung around with some guys that uh, didn't have the best attitudes at that time. And he was easily influenced. It was pouting a lot, I think. And poor me he had the poor me t-shirt on, uh, you know, poor me and, and this and that. But I think he, sort of saw the light at the end of the tunnel and said, hey, you know what? No one's feeling sorry for me anymore. And I'm just feeling sorry for myself, and I'm going to get lost and shuffle here unless I come out here and get it done. And I'm sure he coaches, the coaches had some talks with him and probably his high school coach, and the rest of them said, hey, it's time. And uh, I think he answered the bell. I hope he continues with that type of effort and attitude in the fall because if he does, he'll start the first ball game. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for those ones, Andrew. Tarek has a question. Should we still be concerned with Max Turek snapping? As that was a major problem last year, as Kessler often had to adjust to the snap, and that often slowed the timing of the running game and play action. I think you should. Until you get that snap down and Max proves that they can do that. They mentioned about changing his style as far as uh, snapping the football, and I believe they're not going to. They figured that he got it back there well enough, and it doesn't affect his. They don't want to affect his blocking ability, but it does. It really does make a difference as far as getting the ball back where a quarterback can expect it at a certain spot. And uh, you heard me talk about this in the spring. I don't think they get enough practice turns during practice with this uh, when they're up there doing a, a seven on seven, one on one. Uh, they're read, uh, practicing their hands off with the running game. They have a manager uh, or someone like that snapping the ball back to the quarterback. And uh, he gets it always at the same spot with the perfect spin. And 
he uh, gets sort of used to that, and he's not as alert as expecting something to not be perfect as in a game. In fact, if you're going to do that with a manager, then occasionally one out of 15 or whatever, 20, you ought to purposely bounce the ball or purposely not have it go back directly uh, like it's perfect every single time so the quarterback can be alert of that. But I think you should always have your quarterback and your center working together. Now, you know, Max is going to be an upperclassman now. He doesn't need to watch all the blocking schemes when the other centers are going. He knows what he has to do. So let him go up there and work on that or come out early and do a lot of them hitting against another opponent in a bag, not just snapping the ball, but firing off the football and going through different types of blocking schemes where he gets used to stepping with his right foot, left foot, or whatever he has to do, or pulling, and still snapping the ball. So I think you've got to work on it to improve it. And in the spring, I don't know how much they worked at it, Ryan. You were at practice more than I was. I didn't see him doing a lot of extra snapping other than when they did team. No, I agree with you, Coach. And it's to to be fair, watching these summer workouts, and if you've watched the video, we've had a lot of comments even just from the highlights, they're seeing a lot of errant snaps. It's not just from uh, you know, Max Turk. There's other guys that are coming in and snapping as well. We even saw Nico Fala has moved to center or or not moved to center, but um, was getting some reps as like the third team center or something like that. Uh, Khalil Rogers, you have, of course, Max Turk in there. So, um, it's snapping is still an issue and it's something I think that needs to be, uh, addressed. But we do see these quarterbacks, not just, you know, Cody Kessler, Max Brown, all the guys are kind of jumping up for balls or balls are going sideways. And, and there's been some real concern. I know it's summer workouts and they're not in pads and you may be kind of goofing around a little bit, but it's a, it's a, a problem that we've kind of seen in the past coach. And we're seeing this continue during the summer. Right. And especially, you know, these aren't true freshmen. Now they, they got a Smith, the, the center coming in. that has been a true freshman. He snapped since Bobby, the eighth grade, ninth grade in high school. But these players, all the players you mentioned, are converted guards and tackles to center. So it's a new thing for them. It's something they haven't done all their life. So they still want to block someone, but they got to remember the whole engine starts with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very. So it's got. They got to remember that, and you've got to work on that, especially with guys that haven't had the number of reps that they need to have. Certainly. Um, all right. Well, let's go to Dr. Levi Richard, who had a question for us. Uh, one of the reasons that Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin were able to develop as coaches was because their head coaches delegated important responsibilities and gave them the authority to carry them out. But they're not following that example. In order for Steve Sarkeesian to become the best head coach that he can be, don't you think he must focus on coaching and motivating the entire team? Doesn't he owe Clay Helton the same opportunity that he was given to show what he can do? Uh, yes. I, I think that you have to have confidence in your staff, first of all. You've got to be able to devote your head coaching title to the entire team, not just one position or one side of the football. Uh, remember, all people on that team fall under your leadership. And I think you have to be able to spend as much time on the defensive side of the fall, ball as far as knowing the defense and knowing what they're doing there and watching the defensive practice as you do on the offensive side of the football. 
And I think that uh, if you have the type of coordinators that you should have at a school like USC, they should be given the opportunity to run the offense. You have to have confidence in your generals. If you don't have confidence in your generals, then you better get someone that is. Otherwise, you being the president of the corporation or president of the football team, you're not going to be around long. So you better surround yourself with great people. Yes, they were given the opportunity to have that type of responsibility when they were young. And uh, sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad, but you didn't have a lot of time to learn as much as you should learn as far as before you, you fly Air Force One, as I say. Sometimes it's good to be a co-pilot for a number of years. So, yes, I think Clay Helton would do a great job. I'd love to see him do it. I think the team loves Clay Helton. And you've heard me say this a million times. The best offensive game I've seen USC play over the last several years was the Las Vegas Bowl when Clay Helton was the head coach and they beat up on Fresno State. So I really personally think, yes, a head coach should be a head coach in all areas of the football field, on and off the field. And then uh, thanks for the question, Dr. Uh, Levi. But I think, I mean, just to be fair, both Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian are young head coaches, and they're learning the ropes as far as what they're doing and, and how it works. And I think five or ten years from now, if they're head coach again, they'll be different than what they are now. Um, and I think when you're that offensive-minded kind of coach, coach, and that's what you know best is play calling, it's easy for us to say, oh, you should give that up. But I think this is something that, that they hang on to dearly. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it would be better off if, uh, you know, head coaches were head coaches. I think the, it's an exception when that works well, when the head coach calls the plays more than the rule. I think it doesn't work more often than it does. And I think being a young head coach makes you want to do it more, but it's probably even better for a young head coach not to do it because they do need to delegate and they do need to be able to, you know, talk about the whole, you know, talk to the whole team at all times and not worry about one aspect as, as deeply as they do with the play calling. So I, I get it and I can understand why, but you know, I agree with you, but I think a lot of it is, Hey, they've only been head coach for how many years, five years, six years, something like that. You're still learning the ropes too. Yeah, you are. And uh, sometimes uh, you haven't had your fill of calling the plays, So you don't want to give it up, but you're not, I don't want to use the term tired of it, but sometimes uh, if you're preparing properly and spending the number of hours, putting the game plan together, and having meetings with your players and so on, you just don't have time to be an offensive coordinator and a head of football coach. I tried to do it at times, and it's, it's possible. It's impossible. You tell coaches to take your meetings for you. You've got things you have to do, press conferences. You don't have time to break down as many films as you should or watch the practices like you should. And I think that you ha- you should have capable people that you know can do the job for you. If they can't do the job for you, then you just simply get someone who can. It's not that a difficult of a thing to sort of see along the way. So I've always believed in that. Even you see uh, Helfrick giving it up now. He's not the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Even though he wanted to be the offensive coordinator, he is now the head football coach at Oregon. And You know, they don't change at Oregon. They do the same thing year after year after year. And that's the same type of thing you do at USC. You have a philosophy, and you get better at what your philosophy is. And you bring people along who can teach what you want taught, and you give them that opportunity. And I think that uh, would be good. And uh, not only that, yeah, I hate to say this, when things don't work, they don't always just directly criticize the head coach. 
he's responsible for everything. But when you're not, when you get a delay a game and you do some of the things that happen and you're the head coach calling the plays and everything falls on you, you should be able to go to the defense when the defense comes off the field. Talk to them after they made great plays. Talk to them if they're not playing well. Congratulate coaches and players on the whole thing, not immediately getting ready to call a play and not even saying anything to the defense. I always think morale, emotion, leadership has got to be done by the head coach. And it's always something special when the head coach comes up and puts his arm around you and tells you, great job that last series. And also when the defense goes in the game, you get with them and you say, guys, you hold them this series, we win this football game. I mean, there's a whole different relationship with the head coach and the coaches and also the players when a head coach does that among all the members of the team and the staff. All right, we got one more question for you, Coach. Uh, let's see. It says, I've been reviewing football games from last year, and I noticed that when Antoine Woods lined up at nose tackle, he would squat down like a catcher in baseball. When the ball was snapped, he would engage the center by standing straight up and extending his arms. As a result, he would almost always give ground, and rarely would he disrupt the center and cause problems on the offensive side of the ball. Given what you have seen in practice this year, has this technique problem been addressed and corrected? Uh, that's Jeff in Silmar. Well, uh, I, I don't know if I it's been corrected. That. Yeah, I haven't noticed that, so I have to check it out. Uh, I don't know if it's been corrected, but, uh, you know, a nose guard is normally a guy, Will Frock and these guys that have played for the Patriots. You, you watch him play. I mean, they hold their ground. They they never go backwards. I mean, if anything, they're they're knocking the center backwards, or they're playing a gap and they're getting through the gap because they go through it so quick and they're so powerful. You can't block them. And I think that's something you have to take pride in and you have to teach. And the guy has to do that. Uh, the nose guard is someone that takes care of the middle and uh, allows the linebackers to roam, but and also watches for you know quick-hitting plays, uh, draws, all kinds of things that he should be uh, really good at. He's, he's Normally, he's not a great runner. I mean, he doesn't have great speed. He's more of a power type of guy. Uh, doesn't have to be 6'5". Normally, they are more or less 6'1", 6'2". Built short to the ground, 320 pounds. Real powerful guys. Well, you can't move them, man. They're going to hold their ground. And I, I think it's important that you have that type of player there. And I I don't know if Antoine uh, has played up to his ability. Let me put it to you that way. Uh, it's time for him now to do that. Now, he was hurt in the spring, so we didn't have a chance to see if they improved that or not. So he didn't really practice in the spring, so he had the torn uh, bicep or, or pectoral muscle. So I don't, I don't know. But when we go out there, we'll watch it and see if this is happening in scrimmages, was uh, when they do the one-on-one things, he should dominate, dominate the center, especially you know uh, when they when they do the Oklahoma drill and some of those drills that they do. I mean, you got to stand that guy up. You got to separate, stand him up, and separate, and be ready to make it to play. Uh, Jeff had a follow-up too. He said about Damian Mama, given his immense size and skill set, wouldn't he be better suited to play nose tackle? And we and, and you already mentioned, Coach. Uh, Jordan Simmons is the guy they moved over to, to, to the defensive line. So he looks like a guy that can come in and, and, and give him some help there. But he wants to know about Damian Mama as well. 
Well, it's funny you say that. If you remember, Ryan, a year ago, when they were down in numbers, I suggested moving somebody over to the defensive side of football, and I mentioned Mama. I mentioned uh, that he he is a type of kid that is big and strong and powerful, and you're not going to move him. If he decides he doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going to go anywhere. And uh, I think he's the type of kid that would take the pride in, in uh, living up to what's expected of him, and uh, he would hold uh, his ground. And uh, I think the move with Simmons, I really do. I think that will help the defensive side of the football. They're overloaded on the offensive side of the football. They need some guys on the defensive side. I think that's an area where they need their most, uh, say, improvement from the spring. And uh, I think that's a good move. We'll see what happens as long as he can protect that knee. All right. It'll be interesting to watch. We'll be out there uh, at the summer workouts as they continue on and we get ready for fall camp checking this Checking this team out, Coach, there's uh, some interesting developments. The Jordan Simmons one was interesting. We broke that uh, last week, and uh, we'll see. We'll let you know any other position position changes we see going out to those practices. Well, I tell you, that's what it's all about in the summer. The number one thing you have to worry about always is you got to be careful that no one gets hurt. you got to be really careful that everybody's practicing at the same speed, especially in the interior part of the line, offensively and defensively. Someone doesn't push into someone else and someone falls on them and that they hurt a knee or whatever. That's the number one thing you have to really be careful of as far as someone getting injured in these summer workouts. But, uh, you know, like I say, uh, you know, you got to be very careful. And, and I, I think the conditioning part of it is the best. I think uh, that's what the kids should be working on uh, as far as doing a lot of team. I don't know if that's necessary. Uh, you know, you can walk through blocks and know what you're supposed to do and practice your techniques, but you certainly don't want anyone to become injured. You certainly don't, Coach. And uh, well, we'll keep you updated on everything that's going on. Luckily, I haven't been any injuries or anything to report from these summer workouts, but they will continue on through June and July as we head towards fall camp. So that's going to do it for the Monday edition of the Peristyle Podcast this week. Again, you can follow Coach Harvey Hyde on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Pretty simple. Check that out. So hope you guys enjoyed the show and stay tuned for a quick message from our sponsor at Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287 1-800-888-7287 That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.